Welcome to our podcast today on Small Business Horsepower. Small Business Horsepower podcast is brought to you by Apple Podcasts, Google, Pandora, Spotify, a number of other sites. And you can get the podcast also on our website, smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Today, we are so pleased to have Linda Schlesinger-Wagner with us today on Small Business Horsepower. She's from Michigan. I got to get maybe another podcast on that. That's Bob Seeger country. I love Bob Seeger, but she's from Michigan. Linda, welcome to the program today on Small Business Horsepower. Thank you very much. I'm so honored that you're including us in this. Thank you very much. Linda, let's just start with your background before we get to your business. Give us your background before you started your company. Okay, before I started this company, I was a knitwear designer and manufacturer selling to all, many, not all, many high-end stores in the United States, women's and children like Barney's, Bloomingdale's, Henry Bendel, lots of high-end boutiques, and kind of gave that up 15 years ago when I got a divorce. Did it for 35 years. Okay, well, you started Skinny Tees, right? From nothing? From a $1,000 loan. $1,000 I read that you borrowed from another friend's credit card. Tell us that story a little bit. And I had started my business from scratch, so I'm very interested in this. Yeah, it's a great story, and it's like, wow, I did it. I had gotten a divorce. I literally had no money. I uh, didn't take any divorce settlement because I felt like I always landed on my feet in life. And uh, that was a mistake, by the way. I did get a little bit, but he wasn't paying me. So I worked a bunch of jobs and decided in the middle of the night that I was going to do this business. And I came up with that name, skinnytees.com. And I knew I had to get the .com from my son. And I got it and borrowed a $1,000, a limit of $1,000 on a girlfriend's credit card because I said, if I can't do it, I'll know immediately if it's a win or a not win. And to my shock, it worked. We're just timing the right person, the right everything. And blew that business up from that time and never really borrowed money. Ever. Tell us a little bit about the business itself. Okay, so Skinny Tea started with one style in 10 colors, a, a camisole for women in what I called one size fits most, a 2 through a 12, 14. And I did it in 10 colors and really did it because I was... 61 at the time. And I thought 12 years ago, and I'm not going to lean up or bend over and have skin showing. Oh my gosh. So I made it 26 inches longer than most camisoles were doing. They were all for the younger people or women who wanted to show skin. So that was the developing part of it right there, that one style, 10 colors. And it worked. We now have over 200 styles and that little camisole is not our best-selling piece anymore, but that camisole, we do like in 80 colors now. So it has really, really grown. Wow, that is amazing. And I also was, when I was doing my research, saw that you've got your son and your daughter in your business. It's a family business. I saw that your son uh, had some drug-related issues and others. So tell us about that and how you decided to keep it a family business, working with family. So I remember when I started my business, I was like, the last people I want to do business with is friends 
friends and family, you know, and I always, but you've done it the opposite way. And I'm very interested in that. Well, not always well, honestly, but yes, when this all started, um, my son had a drug problem and I was the one who found out both of my adult kids live in California. I live in Michigan and my son always worked big jobs in marketing. He had a great career and had a big oops in his life in the when he was in his 30s, brought us all to our knees. And when I started this business, it was just myself. And then as it grew quickly, I brought in a young woman who I hired when she was 18. She's now 52. She's still part of the team. She's fa- She is family. She's my family sometimes more than my family is. And as it grew, my son, David, had a lot of ideas for marketing. So we brought him in to do some of those things and tell me about him. And then maybe about four or five years ago, my daughter Annie came in and does all the creative part of the thing. And sometimes it's very, very difficult as a mother and her kids, uh, especially the girl thing with my daughter. And um, we try, we do the best we can. And most of the time it's pretty good. How do you separate like your business life and then personal life? I'm sure some of our listeners would want to know like you're a mother, but then you're also a boss. How do you separate that component? Okay. I like to think at work, I'm a business owner. I'm all about okay, what are we going to do next in sales? What are we going to do our next Zoom on? How are we going to rationalize all that? And I think usually my son would agree with me on all of that, that we, unless he says, oh, I went to a fish concert last night. But, you know, we try and keep it business related. My daughter has my grandson, Charlie. So we sometimes bring in some of that, but we really, it's better if you keep it separate. And I'm more than ever today about keeping it separate. We can talk after work or in the event one of us has something really going on, bring in the personal but it's, I really do think it's best that you separate it. It's so hard. And, and I'm the mother and I'm honestly, I'm 73 now. I'm the older lady who's not as savvy as all of you younger people on the Instagram. I'm the Facebook girl. They're all the Instagram and the TikTok. So, I mean, it's a learning curve for me. And honestly, my mind is, I do all the designing and the coloration and dealing with the big We deal with the big like QVC and the Good Morning Americas and The View. It's a lot for the old girl. And I don't want to sell myself short, but sometimes I just don't get all the things that they do. We try and balance it out. Uh, I know what it's all about. I have twins that are 14, one boy and one girl. And it's like, Dad, what are you doing? You don't know how to use that. I mean, (laughs) now... I'm very interested also in that you started at age 61 because so many women, especially because you put a lot, I'll get to that, into women's causes and things. You know, it is probably an inspiration to say, okay, coming off a divorce with a thousand dollars of a friend's money, not your own in the bank. And here you go. And boom, at 61 to take that leap. Tell me a little bit about that, you know, the risk reward of that and how it could inspire other people, I think. Well, number one, failure wasn't a choice. I got caught in the countrywide mortgage. I had a little tiny house. The mortgage rates went crazy. Failure was not an option. And to be fair, when I got divorced before I did this, 
I really did five little jobs. Some of them I only did three hours a week. And, you know, I'm dealing with problems my son had. And I got the opportunity to work on a Holocaust project from a friend of mine who lost her daughter to suicide. And I was the lucky woman, and I do mean lucky, that got to travel the world with her and part of the United States interviewing 442 Holocaust survivors. This was all when I'm building my business from nothing. And when I lay in bed at night and think how sad I was on my own personal life, it was a reality check. How could I be sad when I talked to all these people in Poland, Czechoslovakia, Italy, you know, all over? So failure wasn't an option. I watched these people and they were inspiring. The ones 97 I did in Detroit and they came here with nothing and failure wasn't an option. And the fact that I was 61, I'll put myself up even today against any 30 year old. I have a work ethic for whatever reason. I have a lot of energy and I just keep doing it. And if A doesn't work, you go to B and then you go to C because you do enough. Some of it's going to stick, right? Someone's going to listen to you. Someone's going to say, she knows what she's talking about. Or let me just try a couple dozen of these. It'll work. And it has worked. My first customer that I went to, I did not know. And I had sold my high-end sweater line to a lot of stores locally. I went to someone that was about 35 miles away. I had been dating a man in the radio industry and he was doing a big story in this Brighton, Michigan. And I walked the city as he was interviewing his client. And I walked into a store and there was this cute bubbly woman. And I thought she was the manager and she's just selling everybody and being so warm and yummy. And when I decided to do skinny tees, I thought that's going to be the first store I'm going to. I don't want a mercy order. I want someone I can really see if I can talk into this because I was never a salesperson when I did my adult sweaters. If someone told me they didn't like it, I was crushed. So I had to learn to do that. And I called her store. Her name is Impulse, the store in Brighton, Michigan. And I said, there's this cute bubbly blonde. And she's, I'd like to speak to her. I think she's the manager. And the woman on the phone said, what would you like to speak to her about? I said, I have this great line, skinny teeth, and I think it'd do great in your store. And that cute bubbly woman said, this is me. I'm Gail. I own the joint. Come on up. I'm buying whatever it is. And she became, now she closed this last year. She became my best single user of skinny teeth in a small small town in Michigan, small, small. (laughs) And she knocked it out of the park. And so what I did to make this go for me is because I had other little opportunities and I didn't need a lot of money to live. I didn't have children at home. I had a son who had went to rehab, so I owed money on that. But I started by just taking the money I made on skinny teas, putting it back in the bank, buying more inventory. I never spent the money. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And then Nancy came on board, my girl who's been with me for 34 years, and we were doing it out of my house. And she was like doing, we were everything. We packed, we steamed, we did the invoicing. Finally, on a snowstorm about eight months into it, (laughs) and we got a huge order from a store for a lot of pieces. And I'm by myself in a snowstorm under a tarp on my driveway with a flashlight. I just called my son and I said, David, please, as I'm crying, 
do me a favor, find me a little location. I can't do this out of the house anymore. So see, it was teamwork. And my son like saved the day and helped me find a place. And we moved in shortly after. And it was a little place. It was 800 square feet. Now we have 10,000 square feet between all the places that we lease here in this project. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And then one day, David called me and said, I was going out to California to see my kids. He said, bring a bunch of skinny teas. I want you to meet someone. Of course, I'm the girl who always packs 15 minutes before I walk out of the door and I forgot to bring skinny teas. I'm staying with my daughter. He said, we have an appointment tomorrow morning. Did you bring those skinny teas? I go, no, I forgot, but I had some of my own. And I had an appointment. It was a friend of his who owed him a favor, who my son had helped him do a lot of great business deals. And he said, you know what? I really, he said, tell me about your product. And I said, what do you mean? Just tell you about it. It was just a group of us in a boardroom. And I told him about Skinny Tees. And he said, slam dunk, you're taking it to QVC. And I said, well, what do you mean? How do I do that? I had never watched QVC even. And he said, I said, and who's going to, who's going to go on air? And he said, you are, you are a nice looking older woman and that's who they want. So I got an appointment, went to Westchester, Pennsylvania, tied up with a rep whose name is Linda, who's a blonde in my age. And we just did a whole pitch for a half hour. And what it was is I had eight styles then and I wore eight styles. I layered them up, wore all eight, give you a half hour pitch Oh, and by the way, about eight women walked in there that were all under the age of 35, all the buyers. I'm going, oh, this isn't going to work. And they said, we want it. We want what you're selling, but we can't pay those prices. And I said, well, like, what can you pay? And they gave me a price. And I said, "Don't." I wouldn't recommend people doing this, by the way. I want to put that caveat in there. I said to them, give me an order within a week. Give me 90 days to make it. I'm your girl and we're going to sell skinny tees. Now that said, I had no contractor out of the United States. I got the order in like four days. I hustled, hustled, hustled. The first person I talked to in China who spoke English is the man we're still dealing with today. Fabulous. I was going to ask that question. Do you manufacture in the U.S. or you get it all made and subcontracted to China or how does it work? I do several things. I have it made in the United States. I have other product made in Italy and I have other product made in China. And I do all three and I have great relationships with all of them. But you know what? We learned early on, you pay your vendor first before everything. So we have great credit and we built it, built it, built it. Obviously in China, when you're doing a bigger order, he didn't know me from anything. I had to prepay, but I had the money in the bank for that first QVC because I just kept rolling the money. And then that QVC sold out. They give you an eight minute airtime. We sold out in three minutes. Then they come back with a bigger order and roll it and roll it and roll it till we became today's special value where you get orders of a million plus dollars. So that really pushed us over the edge, so to speak, in the profit category. And I sh- Do you have supply chain issues too with China, just like everybody else right now? Only happened to us on the last couple of shipments. And we just did an airing on The View on Friday And we were sweating it because our stuff has been locked up, not from China. It's locked up in the United States at the ports and it had cleared customs. 
Oh, yeah. And cleared customs and sat there, sat on that dock in containers for five weeks. And then it took it two to truck it to Detroit. Now, as we were talking in the beginning, we just got the last three pallets of this shipment of probably 18 pallets. So we made our deliveries, thank goodness. <laughs> I mean, we were sweating it. Supply chain issues is a whole other podcast. You're listening to Linda Schlesinger Wagner today on Small Business Horsepower. We're so happy to have her as a guest. This is amazing stuff here. Linda, have you built a succession plan with the f- family-run business? If you retire and who how, who's going to take it? It still seems to be a lot about you. I just did another podcast. Uh, with John Warlow, which was an amazing episode. He's got something called Built to Sell Radio, and he t- tells you how at some point, when if you're going to sell it, you have to kind of pull yourself out of it to make it worthwhile, or... Sometimes you're not going to do that, but you're going to leave it to your family if you retire or whatever. What's your what's your thought process? I'm just doing that right now. And my thoughts have changed a couple of times in the last two months. Honestly, I'm not ready to retire. I work every day. I, I love what I do still. I still like the challenge of it. But I've done two amazing business opportunities, which if Anybody's in small business, I highly suggest they do. One is the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses. I want to talk to that. That was one of my questions because I am locally, I'm in a CEO group sponsored by SCORE, which is Society of uh, Retired Executives, so on. And we tried to recruit some members for our CEO group by having the Goldman Sachs people send some potential candidates through their 10,000 program. And I was reading that you were only the only woman your age and this and that. Can you tell us a little bit about that Goldman program? So I read about it in the financial section of the local paper and told two young business owners about it and said, you really need to do this. It sounds like you're going to get so much information. So they both ended up being accepted and they both did it. And they both called me after and said, excuse me, why aren't you doing it? And I said, no, I'm the old girl. I think they're taking young business owners. They said, no, you really need to apply. So I did apply and I went down for an interview and there were a lot of young people, younger, being 50 and under. And I was shocked, really, honestly, that they accepted me. And I kept thinking, why did they accept me? And then when I went to the first, it's intense. It's like uh, 12 or 14 weeks every single Friday all day, no phones, don't even turn your phone on or kiss a death. And a couple Saturdays for us and a few nights. I walked out of there the first day at night and called my husband and said, I just learned the best business lesson that everyone has been trying to tell me, and that's delegate. And I have a problem with doing that. Not so much anymore, but I did. I did that program and you work on a business plan. I don't know if anybody knows about it, how to grow your your business, but using a growth plan, an item, a new idea, and they walk you through everything. Nothing is right or wrong, but they give you the skills to do it. They also teach you how to present to a bank if you want to loan money. Now, borrow money. They excuse me from that because I had had all these QVC earrings and I was a cash cow at that time. And then I said, I don't want to be excused. I want to go through that. I, like, shouldn't we all know that? 
And it's very interesting how they do it. They bring in real loan officers and the loan officers pretend to you and your cohort that they're borrowing money and how utterly ridiculous some of us sound when we go in to borrow money and don't know our business and our figures. I was the girl who was so nervous and I can talk to people. I couldn't do it in my little group of six from my cohort and kept practicing at my house and other people's houses and finally said, oh, I'm just throwing my notes away. And when the banks came and they bring two banks in at first with just six of us, and I said, please just let me go first because I'm going to really blow this and you're all going to look great. I said, I said, hi, I'm Linda. I'm from Skinny Tees in Birmingham, Michigan. And they said, one of the loan officers puts her hand down and she goes, shut up. I just saw you on Good Morning America. And the other woman said, I buy your line from QVC. Why don't we know you're a Michigan business? Okay, then they bring in another two officers. Same thing kind of happened. So out of the four officers, I had lunch with three and all three offered me a huge line of credit. So you do it. The knowledge I got from that, it's like getting a master's on your business. And now I just got the doctorate because I did the Edward Lowe Foundation, which is a Michigan-based wonderful business program. And you basically fill out what you want help on. And I did it a year ago. And what did I want? Three things they tell you. Here's what I said, marketing, marketing, and international marketing. Oh my gosh, it was eight Zoom phone calls and the information I got. That's why I can't retire. I have, you can tell, I got so much to do here. And they let me last week be part of their first in-person retreat in Cassopolis, Michigan, seven businesses. And my head's still swimming from it. And now I've been selected to go through the program again. And this time, what do I want? How to grow my sales in the United States. Tapestry. Does anybody know about tapestry? I never heard of it. I can't afford it as a small business, but it's with the biggies like Starbucks do? Why do they have two stores on one street? It's all because of tapestry. So they plugged in like 40 or 50,000 customers of ours and told us who are the milk and millennials, who are the silver and gold? I'm one. You know, who are the uh, students? And they plug it all in on your customer base and said, do you know where the people who spend the most money are for your business? And I said, mm, well, probably Detroit, Chicago, New York, Florida. No, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City, Utah is where we have more customers that spend more money than per capita anywhere else in the United States. That's from this wonderful program that I can't afford, but <laughs> Edward Lowe brings them in for me. So unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. I would never have come up with Salt Lake City. Ever. Oh, me either. When they told me, I'm going, whoa. So I'm doing it again, and it's wonderful. Most of your business, I would imagine, is done through website and that kind of work, right? It's not a retail operation. So how do you check about customer loyalty and making sure that you have a feedback, that customers are satisfied with it? It's just a question that came to my mind, given that so much of it is QVC slash website based, correct? Okay, so we just did, we've done 47 shows for American Broadcasting, be them Good Morning America or The View. Both of them are sale oriented things. And that's a lot of shows to do in four years with them. And what we pride ourselves on here is customer service. So the minute 
this goes live on TV. I am sitting in front of a computer and I personally do it. I'm answering questions. I'm telling them about what size they should wear. We started shipping. It was Friday. We started shipping Friday. People are just starting to get their goods right now or getting the thing. Where are my goods? I'm the one who lets them know when they're getting them. My staff helps me look it up. But a complaint, you're going to talk to me. And people cannot believe that because, of course, my email says, founder and owner. And that's the best customer service I think a business can have. Uh, They're talking to me and no one's signing my name to this. They are talking to me. And once in a great while, we'll get a crappy girl and, or they'll call and they'll get one of my staff. And I'm not paying anybody enough money to have someone be nasty about a t-shirt. And I won't let people be nasty about a t-shirt. We treat them with love. We do whatever we can to make them happy because at the end of the day, that's all we have is our reputation and customer service. Oh, that's great. Speaking of your staff, you have your son, but I was reading somewhere that mostly you employ women. Is that just the way it has worked out or that's on purpose or what's the story there? Absolutely not on purpose. So any male wants to come, come. We'd like someone, please. (laughs) It so happens that I personally know someone who was uh, a personal shopper at an anthropology store locally. And whenever I needed anyone, I would call her and say, okay, so who do you think I should hire? We need another person. And right now we have three ex-managers of anthropology stores and they're fabulous. And I have another woman who owned her own flower shop. And when she retired from that, we got her. So we all bring a lot to the table and it's a team. It's a great team. But we take a meal or two when we hire. <laughs> Never had any meal even apply. You know, we're running out of time, but I'm going to steal something for another interview you did when someone asked you this question because I found it very, very interesting. They said, what are five things you wish someone would have told you when you started your organization? And you had like five interesting answers. So I don't know. Tell me what, you know, if you could look back on it. Well, let's come up with something new. You know, what are five things here? I don't even remember what I said <laughs> about that. Yeah, when you first started, like looking back on it now, what things you would have done differently or uh, things or... Well, that someone, I wish someone had told me, I I think I, but I think this came innately to me, but always remember where you came from, always give back, always give back, even if it's a little bit. And even if you're losing money, you give a little bit back and it doesn't have to be money. It can be of yourself, of a deed, because we are all about that. I think another thing I wish someone had told me, be more positive about yourself. I mean, we're our own worst enemies sometimes. We're hardest on ourselves thinking we can't do it. And we can do it, whether you're a woman or a man. And like, I started this as an old girl. I mean, what people would say you should be retiring and playing golf or cards with the girls or shopping, you can do it. I mean, if you have the drive, you can do it. If you want to work, you can do it. And it's not working hard. It's just 
doing it something you love. That's two. What else should I say? Oh, two is two is enough. I mean, if uh, but uh, I really uh, thank you for coming on the program today on Small Business Horsepower. We really enjoyed having you on the show, and we hope you'll come back in the future. Maybe then we'll get into the three others there. But thank you for coming on the program today on Small Business Horsepower. Now, before you go, where can they find these skinny tees and so on? Let's sure, go to skinnytees.com. You'll see our... That's the where to go to buy them. That's where to go. And we want you to go. Thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thank you. So appreciate it. <laughs> 